Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord for us. Good morning, church. What a joy it is to be together this morning. It's just an exciting time. I love this time of year when there's a crispness in the air, the season is changing, uh, the leaves are just starting to turn. Uh, it's just a beautiful time of year. I love this season. It's my favorite season of all. I also think it's an exciting time in our church. Uh, we've got new members that we just welcomed into the fold. The Lord is adding to our number. We have folks that are eager and ready to take the next step in their faith through baptism. Uh, that is scheduled for October 29th. And I wanted to mention specifically this morning that we do have some spots available. So we are going to be doing a baptism service October 29th. If you have not taken that step, uh, would you consider if the Lord would have you to do that? So we're going to be doing some classes. Uh, in fact, starting this morning, during the Sunday school hour in my study, uh, the baptism classes start. So you are welcome to come and join us. If you take the class, you're not obligated to be baptized. Um, so you're welcome to just come and check it out and learn more about that if you'd like. But please consider if that's something the Lord would have you do. We, we would love to see you take that next step in your faith and enter into the waters of baptism. Um, so why do I say uh, I'm excited about things happening here at, at MCA? Sometimes in the church world, it can be hard to determine, are we being successful? Are we falling short? You know, it's, it's easy just to go by those, those classic old metrics of, of uh, what they called in seminary, nickels and noses. <laughs> uh, all, you're, all you're looking at is attendance numbers and, give, and giving numbers. Um, so how, why do I say I'm excited about it? Because, because I see in so many ways, in so many areas at MCA, us carrying out, really with laser focus, the vision God has given us. The vision that we remind ourselves of every Sunday as we gather. And that vision, of course, begins with being a vibrant community. And so I get excited when I see those sorts of things happening. Like last Sunday, a week ago today, the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner event. Raise your hand if you participated in the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner event. Boy, I wish I saw more hands up, Rachel. <laughs> um, did you have a great time, those that did participate? Uh, thank you so much to our women's ministry. Rachel Burgett is the leader. She's got a great team of women that are serving with her. They took that event on. They coordinate that event. It's because of, hey, <laughs> it's because of the, the, the vision for an annual event. I mean, we take one evening every year, one evening out of, out of the year, 365 days to say, we are going to break bread. We are going to grow wider in our relationships with one another, maybe wider from the meal too. Um, we're, grow, we're growing wide. We're make, making friends and relationships with, it's a fun event. Guess who's coming to dinner? I'm going to hear a knock at the door and I don't know who's showing up, but we're going to develop relationships in our church family and we're going to just have a great time together. We're going to encourage one another in the Lord. 
We're going to get to know one another. So that's, that's part of the reason I say I'm excited when I see those things happening. Uh, so thank you. Uh, in fact, can we give a round of applause to our women's ministry? Not just for that event. Thank you. But for, for all of the amazing things that, that they're doing. And, and, and what happened at Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, again, that's a one-off event that happens each year. But what happened there is really what I see happening week in and week out in our core groups. So those relationships are going deeper. Because it's not just a random smattering of, okay, I've never met you before. Or we spent one evening together out of the whole year. It's a, it's a weekly, daily, we're, we're doing life together. We're, we're walking through life's ups and downs, the highs and lows. We're journeying together. We're, we're pursuing being a vibrant community. And so I'm excited when I see that. When, when I see us laser focused on, this is the mission that God has given us to be a vibrant community. Of course, the other part of that is sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. And, and I get excited when I see us accomplishing that as well. And so I just want to say, that's why each and every week when we gather in this place and we open the scriptures, we preach the good news of the gospel. It's not because we haven't heard it before, but that's why we do it is because we want to share the life-giving power of Jesus with one another and with the world. So that's why we preach it. It's why we invite friends and neighbors to join us at church. Come and be a part of what God is doing. It's why we're driven to reach the next generation. Right, Lakota? Right, Becky? The, the children, the teenagers. Oh, is she back in the children's church? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I was looking at. Anyway, um... <laughs> Children, teenagers, uh, 20-somethings. It's, it's why we're driven to see the gospel take root in the generations that are coming along behind us because we want to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. I love saying it this way as we talk about the vibrant community and the sharing Jesus. It's this, uh, the vibrant community is one-anothering. And we did our Sunday School Shuffle and a sermon series on that this spring. One-anothering and all the beautiful ways that we're called to do that. So we are about one-anothering. But we are also always keeping an eye out for another one. So it's one-anothering and always keeping an eye out for another one. Another one who needs grace. Another one who needs fellowship. Another one who needs Christ. And so why do I mention all this? Because I want you to be encouraged. Because in a lot of ways, I feel like I, I get this front row seat to all the good things that are happening. And I, I want to encourage you as our church family with all of the good things that God is doing in our midst. I also want to thank you for the ways that you are serving and giving and contributing and, and helping uh, for us to take steps each and every day, each and every week toward accomplishing the mission God has given us. Um, I don't see it all the time. I don't see everything you do. I don't, I don't give enough accolades and pats on the back. But there are times when I see. I, I see when you show up early. I see when we have a guest who comes into our midst and you intentionally introduce yourself and make them feel welcome and get to know them. I see when you, when you show up to pray for those in need. I see when you use your gift in a way that's life-giving for you, in a way that's impactful for the kingdom, in a way that blesses the Lord and blesses his people. And so, thank you. I just wanted to encourage you with that today, that I'm excited for where we're at as a church. We, we are not a group who's interested in playing church. We're, we're not a group who's interested in some religious ritual or, or some checklist of, I attended church. We are the church, and we are on mission together. 
And I want to make that really clear. We're not interested in playing church. We are a vibrant community. And we are staying laser-focused on our mission. We're going to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. Now, why do we do that? We do that only because of what Christ has done in us. Not because it's a, it's a good thing to do. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because it makes me feel really warm and gushy inside when I help other people. We do that only because of what Christ has done in us. Only because of who he has made us to be as his body and as his people. And so this morning, what I would like to do is challenge us and encourage us to be unified in our mission. To be unified in carrying out all of the good things that God has given us to do. And one really key, really important, really vital way we do that, you guessed it, it's to forgive one another. To forgive one another, to offer forgiveness. See, it's inevitable that as we're doing life together, in ministry together, in community together, that we're going to have conflict. <laughs> that we're going to hurt one another's feelings. Like if you're pursuing a relationship with another person, you are bound to have hurt and misunderstanding. But because of God's great mercy, it impacts the way we treat one another. That we are indeed called to live a life of forgiveness. So you're probably expecting that because this morning we are wrapping up this four-part series called Sorry. We are learning how to forgive. Uh, Let me just recap some of the great things we've learned over the last weeks. We learned that because of Jesus, we can be fully forgiven. Like, no matter what we've done. Like Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. We are fully forgiven. We also learned that the process involves admitting our faults. Like David, after his massive sin in Psalm 51. A broken spirit and a contrite heart, O Lord, you will not deny. So we admit our faults. And then last week, we also learned Jesus' three-step plan for reconciling wrongs from Matthew chapter 18. Do you remember that? Go to the person, grant forgiveness, and guard against bitterness. So those are the things that we've learned over the past few weeks. And uh, for this morning, what I'm not going to do is convince you that forgiveness is God's way. Yes, forgiveness is God's way. Uh, Forgiveness is not a suggestion. Enough said. (laughs) That's not my goal this morning, is to convince you that forgiveness is God's way. Uh, What I'd like to do this morning, it's actually a very simple encouragement, but it has profound impact on our unity to carry out our mission and this vital step of offering forgiveness to one another. And it is a simple reminder of who you are. A reminder of who you are in Christ. Now, I do need to clarify at the onset here. When I say you, when I say who you are, I'm speaking to born-again believers. Saved by grace through faith. You are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I'm talking to. So if you're an unbeliever, if you haven't taken that step yet, this is not your identity. This, I'm, I'm talking specifically this morning to the redeemed. I want to remind you, who you are. So for this study, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four. I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. Let's go ahead and turn to that chapter.
letter written by Paul, and really this is what this chapter is all about. Uh, And so he begins there, if we uh, look at verse 3, with a call for unity. Here's what it says. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And what we're going to see then as you read through the rest of this chapter in Ephesians 4 is he says we should no longer walk as those who don't know the truth. That we should put off the old things. He reminds us in Ephesians chapter 4 who we are. That you have put on a new life in Christ. You now reflect the holiness and the righteousness of God. That to live this new life in Christ means we're going to tell the truth to one another. We're not going to allow our anger to cause us to sin. Instead, we're going to confront problems. We're going to deal with them. We're going to work hard. We're going to practice generosity. We're going to speak gracious words. We're not going to grieve or ignore the Holy Spirit. We're not going to hold on to bitterness or seek the damage and reputation of others. But we're going to offer forgiveness. Why? Because Christ has forgiven us. Verse 32. That's the first thing I want to remind us of this morning, that you forgive because you are forgiven. So as we seek to live in unity with one another, there's inevitably going to be this cycle that I just mentioned, this cycle of conflict and then reconciliation. It's, it's really this constant cycle that every believer is going to move through. And, and while we're still being conformed to the likeness of Christ, uh, this task God is going to use in order to move us toward maturity. It's an amazing way that God works. It is that we are, we are going to hurt one another. We're going to offend one another. We're, go, we're going to need to, by God's grace, restore and repair broken relationships and heal hurts. And in that process, he moves us toward maturity. Like we can all see and agree to the fact that to pout is childish. To give someone the silent treatment when they upset you or to hold on to a grudge. But no, that it takes maturity to very tactfully address an issue. See last week's sermon. (laughs) It it takes maturity to say, this is an offense that I'm going to overlook. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to choose immediate forgiveness and I'm going to let it go. But you see, when we realize what Christ has done for us, when we realize that we have been forgiven, it softens us toward one another. So I do want us to, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, we're actually going to kind of start at the end. So look at verse 32, where Paul makes this clear. Who who we are, why do we forgive? It's because we've been forgiven. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The Christian singer Mandisa had just that opportunity and had the opportunity to do it on national television. She auditioned for American Idol. Now, the singer was self-conscious about her weight. In fact, she didn't audition in the prior seasons because of that, because of her fear. She didn't want to be seen. But then she got up the nerve, and she auditioned for American Idol, and when she finally went on the show, her nightmare came true. The cruel judge, Simon Cowell, he humiliated her on national TV. It was the number one show in America. And he said, looks like we're going to need a bigger stage this year. 
Watch what happened. If you know her music and her story, uh, she, she didn't win that season of American Idol, but she has gone on to become a Grammy Award-winning Christian recording artist. The Lord has blessed her tremendously. But I think more than anything, she didn't showcase her singing ability. She showcased how to deal with conflict <laughs> and how to forgive. And I think she did it because she knew who she is and what Christ had done for us. And that's exactly what she's able to say. And the Lord gave her a platform that was aired on national television. That's the first thing I want to remind us of this morning. We're talking about who we are and how it impacts the unity we share because we are called to offer forgiveness. We forgive because we are forgiven. The second thing is you forgive because you've been transformed. Oh, yeah, sure, you used to get in tiffs and hold grudges and have a hard heart and maybe even have that list, whether it was physical or just mental, that list of people that you've written off. But now you know Jesus. Now you're pursuing him every single day. You're growing in Christ. You're growing in grace. You're growing in compassion. You walk in gratitude that Christ has forgiven you. And so here's what Paul says. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. See, life isn't about you anymore, is it? Now that you're a follower of Jesus, when others look at your life, they see someone radically saved. They see someone who chases after the heart of God, someone who's growing in their faith. Let's keep reading. Ephesians chapter 4, picking it up at verse 20. Paul says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
You were taught with your former regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You've been transformed. Why do you forgive other people? It's because you're not that old person anymore. You're not that one who keeps a record of wrongs. You forgive because you walk in gratitude every day because you are so focused on Jesus and pursuing him that you're not going to let those offenses distract you from doing what he has called you to do. And so your reactions to people have changed. You don't treat them in a way that responds to how they've treated you. You, you respond to them, you treat them in a way that is in response to how Christ has treated you. And so you're not pursuing greedy, selfish gains. You consider the needs of others. You're quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's like the guy who once told me, before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. He said, yeah, that way if they do get angry... They'll be a mile away and barefoot. <laughs> we choose to forgive because we have been transformed by a relationship with Christ. It's not just that we know about him. And sometimes churches have done a really poor job of that because you've been in Sunday school classes and you listen to sermons about this man, Jesus. And you say, well, I know about Jesus, but there's a world of difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And what I'm, the, the ones I'm talking to this morning are the ones who have been transformed. You have put off the old self. It's no long, your life is no longer about you. When someone looks at your life, they don't see selfish pursuits. They don't see greed. They don't see bitterness. They don't see you holding on to grudges. They see someone who walks in radical freedom and forgiveness because of Jesus. And so that's the second simple thing I want to remind you of this morning. You forgive because you have been transformed. Okay, there's a final reminder I want to issue this morning. And that is you forgive because you're called to build up God's kingdom. God wants to use you to encourage others. God wants to use you to further his kingdom. He wants you to be a kingdom builder. And so I want to say this, that we've got to stop viewing forgiveness as a burden. Ah. I really should forgive. <sighs> I really know it's the right thing to do. I know that Jesus calls me to that. <sighs> Stop. Stop viewing forgiveness as this burden. That it's all on you. You've got to do the right thing and it's going to be really hard. And you're the martyr. And God, you just have this burden of you're supposed to forgive. Yes, you are supposed to forgive. I hope that that's really clear. Enough said. But it is not a burden. It is not a burden that God places on you. He simply asks you to trust him enough to allow his forgiveness to flow through you to others. It's not a burden. He is simply asking you, will you trust him enough to allow the forgiveness that you know from him to flow through you to others. But sometimes we get caught up on the how. 
and the when and the where and the who and the why of forgiveness. Like we, we try to complicate it. Oh, well, well now I kind of get it why it feels like a burden. <laughs> I think a light bulb just went off. <laughs> but now I, I really feel like now that sort of starts to make sense to me. Like why it feels so heavy and like such a burden is because like we try to take on a role that's not ours. Like I'm going to figure out when and, and how and who and why and where. No. <laughs> don't view forgiveness as a suggestion. Don't, don't view it as you are to determine how it gets distributed. Just trust God enough to allow his forgiveness that flows into your life to flow out of it. So let's go on to verse 25. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Don't say, I'm fine, in a way that the person says, clearly not fine. Speak truthfully. Did you hear what Mandisa said? Did you hear it? Did she say, I'm fine? Did she say, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. She said, what you said hurt. She acknowledged the pain. And then she said, but I'm going to forgive you. And what was his response, by the way? Did you notice that? This guy who's just notorious for, like, he's cruel, he's hard-hearted. And he said, I'm humbled. And at the end, he said, I feel this tall. Did she make fun of him? Did she, did she try to fight fire with fire? No. She said, I forgive you. Because Jesus has forgiven me, I'm choosing to forgive you. So Paul says, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. He says, we're all members of one body. So uh, verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're really angry. And then things start to get really sobering really quick here in verse 27. Do not give the devil a foothold. He says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So we forgive because we are kingdom builders. To hold on to that anger, to let it simmer and boil, to slander people. You talk, you talk about them behind their back instead of going to the person and saying what you did offended me. You go to someone else and say, can you believe what he did? It's the devil's work. And I didn't come up with that. That's what we just read. That's the enemy. And when you do that, you are giving him a foothold in your life. So I did a deep dive on this. Greek word is tapas, foothold. Literally, and perhaps even a better translation, would be place or room for, the, for this Greek word tapas. This is what you're giving Satan, the spirit, our spiritual enemy, when you hold on to anger, when you slander others. In other words, if you don't offer forgiveness, you're giving the devil a place in your heart. You're giving him room in your life. One, one translation, words verse 27 this way, it says, leave no such room for the devil. And maybe we also, we, we're getting reminded today who we are. Maybe we need a reminder who he is, 
our spiritual adversary and enemy. He is the destroyer. The destroyer. To thwart the mission of the church, here's what he does. He divides, distracts, and discredits. <clears throat> Craig Groeschel calls these the three D's of destruction. <clears throat> if we're divided, we can't stand. We'll never carry out the mission that God has given for us. And so that's Satan's plan. He divides families. He divides marriages. He divides churches. He divides communities. And in our nation of the USA, we've never been more divided. Just mention politics. Just mention politics. Like, go to your side of the aisle. I'm on mine. Just mention race relations. Just mention COVID, even though it's 2023. <laughs> We've never been more divided. So, so the, these three deeds of destruction that, that Satan, the destroyer, does, he divides. He also distracts. I think he's been really successful at that, especially in today's world, where we're so distracted by the noise around us, by the gadgets that we have. We're also distracted when we major on the minors. Like when we bicker and argue about silly things, about churchy things, or, or when we boycott anything that offends us. And in today's world, followers of Jesus seem to be known more for what they're against. We're distracted. We're divided. And then the third D is discredit. He discredits our witness. Like, if you ask the unbelieving world about a Christian, about a follower of Jesus, they view us as angry, judgmental, self-centered, self-righteous hypocrites. They think we're easily offended. They think we like to hold grudges. And we just see this happening all the time. And we see, we see Christians, I, I mean, have you watched any of the recent exposés, the documentaries on the megachurches and the pastors? It's interesting to watch that, but it's also heart-wrenching. These people who have fallen from grace and the world just has a heyday and says, see, that's what Christians are like. That's what, that's what followers of Jesus are like. So that, and that's the work of Satan. He's discrediting our witness. That, that followers of Jesus who are called the compassion and grace are sometimes the ones who are hurting people. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want to give the devil that kind of place in my life. Not in my family, not in my marriage, not in my church, not in my heart. I do not want to give him that kind of foothold, that kind of place, that kind of room. And so when I say, it, we're talking verse 27 here in Ephesians chapter 4, gets really sobering really quick. That's what I'm talking about. That forgiveness is not a suggestion. For me, it is spiritual warfare. I'm going to choose forgiveness. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to allow the forgiveness that I know from God to flow through me. I'm going to live in a way that is unoffendable. I want to be like Mandisa. And just call it out. Yeah, what you did, that really hurt. But I choose to forgive. Because I figure if Jesus can forgive me, well, you know what? I think he can forgive you too. When we focus on the forgiveness that we know, it softens our hearts towards others. 
And so, guys, I want to encourage us this morning with this isn't a, I'll think about it later and I'll determine the right timeline. What does Paul say here? But do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. He says, choose forgiveness and choose it immediately. Maybe even pre-decide, pre-choose. I'm going to choose to walk in forgiveness so that when that circumstance arises, I'm going to say, here's my choice. It's forgiveness. Why? Because of what Christ has done in me. Because I've been forgiven. Because I've been transformed. And you know what? Because I'm a kingdom builder. Because God has for me not distraction and division or going through motions. God has for me to advance his mission. To reach people with the good news of Jesus. To disciple people. The Lord has spoken to me saying, strengthen hearts and homes. Strengthen hearts and homes. And so that's what I'm about. And the Lord has a purpose for your life. He wants to use you as a kingdom builder. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Choose forgiveness. I want to finish out the passage. We're at verse 29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And so church, I just want us to dream together and consider together what would it be like if we embraced who we are as people forgiven and redeemed, transformed and building God's kingdom. What transformation would happen in our church, in our friendships, in our families, in the body of Christ if we got rid of all bitterness, if we got rid of all rage, If we got rid of all anger and all brawling and all slander. If on the day that I offended you, I owned it. And I apologized. And I said, would you please forgive me? And you said, yeah, I've chosen forgiveness. You are forgiven. What a gift. The day you hurt me, I say, I'm choosing compassion. I'm going to show grace. I'm going to offer forgiveness because you know what? I think if Jesus can forgive me, then I know he can forgive you too. How different do you think the world would be if followers of Jesus were entirely bent on building up God's kingdom? And so here's what Paul says in Colossians 3.13. He says, bear with each other. (laughs) Bear with each other. He doesn't say expect perfection. He doesn't say, just go along with one another until someone messes up and then leave and go find another group. He says, bear with one another. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So let's get rid of the anger. Let's get rid of the slander and the malice. Instead, we are to be kind and compassionate and forgiving. We are to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. This is the Jesus way. The Jesus way. I I love the song by Phil Wickham of that same title. The Jesus way. I posted it yesterday. I shared a link on Facebook. You can watch the song there and, and see all the lyrics, but... In, in the song, he says, If you curse me, then I will bless you. If you hurt me, I will forgive. And if you hate me, then I will love you. I choose the Jesus way. It says, I follow Jesus. He wore my sin. 
I will gladly wear his name. He is the treasure. He is the answer. Oh, I choose the Jesus way. And that's only a choice we can make because of who we are. Because of what Christ has done in our lives. For the born again believer who is saved by grace through faith. We are kingdom builders. We are transformed by Christ. We are forgiven. Let's pray together. Oh, good and gracious God, we cannot thank you enough that in you there is forgiveness. That you have reconciled us a lost and broken people like sheep without a shepherd all we have gone astray you've restored us back to yourself to our good and loving heavenly father because you sent the rescuer Jesus so Lord we cannot thank you enough that you've redeemed us you've purchased us with the shed blood of Christ And Lord, I pray today, would you please, oh God, remove this burden that we sense to forgive. That it weighs us down and we feel like we're we're supposed to do something, we have to do something, it's hard and we're going to figure it out. Lord, please remove from us this burden of forgiveness. That God, we would just simply trust you enough to say, I choose the Jesus way. Curse me, I'll bless you. Hate me, I'll love you. Lord, set us free from bitterness and unforgiveness. It is like a prison. Lord, set us free from that poison. Thank you, Lord, for who you say we are. Thank you, Lord, for who you have made us to be. I pray, Lord, that as we follow you in a way that's flawed, in a way that's broken, in a way where we trip and we stumble and we sin and we hurt others, I pray that somehow in that, Lord, you would be honored, you would be glorified. I thank you, Lord, that you exalt the humble, that you lift up those who are bowed down, Call us to yourself again to hear your voice, to know your nearness, to receive from you your forgiveness. And then God, use us. We avail ourselves that we would be conduits of that forgiveness to the world around us. That in that, God, you would get the honor and you would get the glory. So Lord, we thank you and we cannot thank you enough for this beautiful gift that you have given, this merciful gift of forgiving our sins. We repent of them, seeking you and walking in newness of life. We put off the old self and we put on the new life in Christ. Amen.